0: Here we go. Hello. So I am Sue Fullergood from the Energy Incubator and I am so excited this afternoon to be having a chat and a conversation with somebody who I deeply admire and whose work I've been following for many years already and that's Anne Wilson. I long ago actually was lucky to listen to her talk at a function. And I was the lucky winner of an entry to her financial freedom university. And I must say I have learned so much from her. I've read her very brilliant book, uh, The Wealth Chef. And I think she has an incredible amount to share and teach, which is why I really wanted to bring her on to uh, this podcast this afternoon. Many people wouldn't say that uh, finan- finances have anything to do with well-being. but we at the energy incubator know that well-being is a multi-dimensional uh, subject and if we flip lack of financial being onto uh, its or financial well-being onto its head and put lack of financial well-being up there for us to look at, we will quickly see how that would be very detrimental to our well-being. So thank you very much, Anne, for being here today. Um, It's just great. And uh, I'm really looking forward to downloading some of what's in your head and your um realm so that we can all benefit from
1: it. Oh, so great to be here, Sue. And you already just touched on such a vital element where people go, oh, money is not important, Oh, I'm not interested in that stuff, or investing in finance, or it's oh it's you know for other kind of people or it's not spiritual or whatever that story is but as you've just really said it's it's one of the most important inputs into being able to live a fully expressed life able to have vitality and able to have that full well-being which is why i am so passionate about it which is why i love talking about money because it's never about money itself it's about understanding that it's such a vital element and component ingredient what word you want to use in order for us to live a full life and for women it is a huge area that we've still got a long way to to journey
0: absolutely what in the beginning got you so passionate about financial freedom and where did it all begin
1: for you you know hindsight is always great and as I've threaded through my own journey I realized that that seed was planted pretty young very much from an aspect of well-being, of just security, of just feeling the the opposite. Often our big motivations are what we don't want. And I grew up in a very normal, you know, everyday, let's call it middle class family for want of another descriptor. I was number five of six kids. And I watched this pattern of... Father worked really hard. He always seemed stressed He was always exhausted. Talk about not having that vitality and health. In fact, his health was actually really bad from this ongoing stress. And then the sacrifices that made of his own well-being, his mental, emotional, physical states, of being the provider. And you see this for so many people. And there, so the so the only story that I was really fed was work hard, get a good job, study hard. But my father died relatively young and left my mum. Luckily, most of the kids had, had left home, it was just still my brother and myself there. So from a financial aspect, not a huge burden, but the burden was her, herself of going, how did she make sure she could manage the small pot that was left? And hopefully that she would run out before the money did. And I, so in my late teens, I got to watch this anxiety, this stress. And I realized there'd already been threads beforehand of either just power and independence and money doesn't grow on trees and don't be greedy. I also grew up in South Africa, at the height of apartheid. So lots of confusion about having and not having and what did that mean? So these were threaded through, you know, if I look back onto my money story, but I can really remember distinctively at that point where I watched my mum realizing I never wanted to be that vulnerable. I never, ever wanted to be in a position where I was hoping that my life would end before the money did, because she had no idea who to trust. How did she know how to make this money last? And so that's where the first seed was. It wasn't about first class plane travel, whatever. Because often when we talk about money, it can be, oh, well, is it just wanting bling and stuff and consumer stuff? And I realized, no, first and foremost was emotional safety and physical safety and an ability to feel empowered but also on the other word, not in this devastating anxiety and now having worked with thousands of people this is such a key thread especially for women where there's this underlying high level anxiety about their financial well-being sometimes just pressed and so when you talk about vitality and energy it's a massive drain So, this was the real first seed for me was going, Hey, I never want to be that vulnerable. I never want to have to compromise my life, me. I never want to have to please or please or perform just to be safe. Um, And I want to have an element around this. But, like so many people, the only thing I then been taught was, Well, get a good job, study hard. And so, I also looked around and I thought, Oh, well, men obviously have this thing sorted because growing up, my father did the earning and my mum did the trying to keep you know, the kids from killing each other. And <laughs> those were the roles. So I also then slipped into another story where I believed I had to be a fake man, basically. You know, <laughs> you know. And I see a lot of women taking on this. I've got to be aggressive. I've got to do these things. I've got to be all these roles that kind of masculine and that it's not okay to be fully creative, fully feminine, and whatever that means. I didn't have a model for that and money. And so I studied civil engineering, but not because I gave a damn about how cubes crushed or metal bent. It was, well, that sounded like a good job. That would be hopefully financially strong. You know, and, and I'm grateful I did that journey. But, the, but all of these underlying drivers were, was just wanting safety, wanting choice. And th- those are still, I think, the first most important layers that we need to talk about because... You know, often in a lot of the personal development world, we talk about you know, focus on what you want, and it's the it's, and it's the more higher actualized expression and living your purpose. But we can't even start experiencing those things if we don't have the fundamental bottom layers of safety mm. and even access to choice at hand. So mm. for me, like most, like many people, and what I now teach is we have to have these first layers, and that was my first driving point. Mm.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that story. And, and uh, I think you've touched on so many things, uh, you know, all the way from sort of Maslow's hierarchy of needs where we have to take care of our survival needs first. And, and anything else is way out of our realm until those needs are properly taken care of. But then also to discussing how this is something that it hasn't really been engaged with um, with many women and many women find themselves disempowered in this domain and then lastly what i love the way you call it uh, you know making having access to choice and uh, i do think that uh, that's what money offers us security and choice and power empowerment so if that's the case, why is it so hard for people to prioritize their financial health? I mean, I even know it with myself, you know, it's, I have to really force myself, even after working with you for many years, to say tonight, tonight, I'm actually going to look at my finances. Um, why is it so
1: hard, do you think? You know, I, I think there's, there's a couple of threads in that. And firstly, we are our entire education system, our societal exposure, firstly teaches us that money is the thing that we need for financial safety, from financial liberation, from financial security. And there is also a lot of status, not from the money, but from this hard work story. So I come back to, you know, I was told to work hard, get that good job and then earn. And so this this is so deeply woven into our mindset that, okay, go out, work hard, do this element. And this becomes our obsession. We, We worship the altar of income, of the job, the business, the revenue, the top line. But this is the most devastating lie because that doesn't create our... Financial well-being, it doesn't create our freedom, it doesn't give us choice. Investments and assets do. But very few of us are ever exposed to that. And I'm very grateful that I got to the point where after working hard, I got myself deep into debt, got out of debt. Then I thought, okay, the two things were work hard, get income, and then you know, protect my money from me. You know, if I can just control my desires, then I'll be okay. You know, don't go into debt, don't spend. But this fundamental gap of actually what Real, really creates wealth still eluded me because I'd never had exposure. And so I think one aspect, and we've seen a huge advance for women in their earning power, the type of jobs and roles, confidence in creating businesses, really looking at salary and income, equi- um, e- equity and equality, but we're still a long way to go there. But the focus has been on the earning and the income mm-hmm. side, not going, hey, That's not where wealth, that's not where power, that's not where security comes from. That comes from having assets and controlling assets. And the devastating thing, Sue, is despite all of the work that has been done, women control less than 2% of assets in the world. And I'm talking about women across both developing and and, um, developed nations. So obviously in the developed world, a lot more. But most of it is by default. Most of it either comes as a result of having a retirement investment, a pension, superannuation, whatever the country is that you're listening to here. It's where Mm. created by having some kind of job. And so that it's it's a default action that, oh, well, it's just put in place by that corporate side. But when it comes to a personal finance, there's this, we've now gone, okay, you know, become part of the earning, play our mouse base at the table, but really understanding where the real, let's say real power sits still eluded. And so so one reason that, that is that become the focus and neglected and we're not even realizing that the key power places. So then the next thing that comes through, I think why it doesn't then come through, there's this aspect of, okay, earn more, get that, be, be a contributor to the cash in of family. I think the challenge about the investing and actually creating real assets and why we haven't come from there is there's two other big big stories I think as women we're also told that when we are praised for being nurturers the mm. the kind the the looker after of everybody else there's again there's a martyrdom badge we get from working hard and there's uh, you know in you talk in the energy incubator the energy side there's also there's almost a badge of honor that comes from depletion and exhaustion who's the one who's yeah. oh, you know more tired. And go, hang on, we've got to stop that story. And so when it comes to our finances, what I find for many people, they're able to be part of day-to-day money management. They're very good at, um, women are, are tend to be really great at managing the family budgets and spending day-to-day. But the thought of keeping money and investing, especially in their own name for their future financial well-being, still smacks of feeling selfish. Mm-hmm. That, oh, exactly. there's a higher priority for the family for the kids the shorter term need to be seen as and that is seen more loving and mm-hmm. so the, the irony is um so men are able to come are, are brought up you know it, it's so hard to know it's nurture nature all of these things are really interwoven societal elements that almost part of the role is the future financial well-being so putting that in place is is first of all, but for a woman to save, keep some of that money, invest it, and if there's pressure from siblings or parents or those in need financially, will often sacrifice their own future financial well-being for a short-term need to be seen, to to feel like that compassionate, kind, caring person. And this is a really important distinction we each have to come to and go, ah, what is my story? What am I believing are the my values? I'm a nice person. I'm a compassionate person. I'm a caring person. I'm a good mother or a sister, or whatever that is. And what, what are my rules around that when it comes to, to money? Does that mean paying yourself la- last financially, in your time, in your energy? You know, and that's where there's such a link with the whole energy aspect because it mm-hmm. is an energy. And mm-hmm. often we'll find that this learning how to pay ourselves first, like what are the first actions we do in the morning when we wake up? What are the first actions and how do we spend our time in a day? Is it first on everybody else's priorities and then our own? We often see these similar patterns will play out in, in money and especially when it comes to then the investing side. I mean, there's a whole lot of other threads there, but I know I've already t- spoken a lot on that, but these are, I think, two very big um, big areas.
0: Oh, I'm so glad you touched on that. I mean, that is one of my most um, passionate uh, messages I want to get across to people is, if I take care of me, then you can take care of you. And it's actually selfish not to take care of yourself. Because if you don't, somebody else has to, if not now at some stage. So Um, I always say to people, if you overgive, you actually turn people into harmers that you allow them to harm you without having a choice in it. So you've got to keep something back, put up a boundary line and say, this is for me. And when I've taken care of me first, then I'll take care of everybody else. And trying to inspire people to see that that is actually not selfish. It's selfish not to, in fact. So I'm so glad that you
1: um, that you raised that, and you, you put that so beautifully. And I think this is a message that we have to each sit with because, again, there is there's a story where we are rewarded for that martyrdom, almost the victimhood. Mm. Like, oh well, look at the sacrifice that I've made, you know, mm. and where we really get the most radical selflessness. Is saying I will never be a burden on another. I can mm-hmm. come fully in this relationship with my partner, with my parents, with my kids, with my siblings, with my friends, fully resourced. Yes, there's an interdependence, of course. We're not saying, you know, I don't need anyone blocked off, but there's not this this hideous codependence, but also mm. this, as you I love what you say, you force somebody else to be a perpetrator of almost violence on you. Inadvertently, when you take this martyrdom story of of sacrifice and depletion, Mm. because also who we then pitch up in the world is usually not the best version of us when we're depleted emotionally, financially, when we're scared. Um, There is And so people stay in crap relationships, crap jobs, um, disempowered patterns when we don't have that sorted. And I think Mm. we need to name a couple of these, Sue, because... And, and this, it happens in both sexes, male and female. But the, it's a huge, what I call economic outpatient care, where people have really funky relationships with their kids um, around money. And women will tend to hold onto this, this need to be needed. Yeah. And often mm-hmm. there is threads of finance connected in there of going, well, I... When I speak around the world, the question I often ask is, why do you want to create financial freedom? What's it for? And hands go up and people say, I want to make sure that my kids never suffer financially. I want to create this so my kids never have to have any stress or struggle in this area. And I really want to call this out. Because there's also almost sort of like, we can't just say, hey, I want this for myself. I want to feel safe. I want to feel secure. I want to sleep well at night. I want to know that I'm going to be okay in my old age and not be sharing my tin of cat food with the pigeons on the bench. You know, mm-hmm. when we just actually have this honesty, but there's almost like, oh, it's better if we say we're doing the things we're doing for other people. But mm-hmm. I think there's also a genuine story around that. And we have to break the story because there's too deeply woven devastating stories in that. One is that managing our money, investing, looking after it, growing our wealth is a burden, is a terrible thing to do. Like, oh, we shouldn't have to, that if we were successful, if we were able to live lives fully, then we shouldn't have to deal with that. And this is a terrible story perpetrated by the Hollywood, you know, the prince will come along and kiss you on your pretty little head and say, oh, you don't have to worry about that. And that is the ideal we should be going after. Mm. Instead of saying, hey, it is a privilege to be able to have money flowing into our life, to be a great custodian to it. It's like having energy. Like fuck, hell mm. yeah, excuse the language. But I mean, yeah. this is, <laughs> so we've got to challenge that story. if We're saying we don't want our kids to suffer financially. It's saying that any kind of relationship with money is one of suffering and struggle. It weaves through every aspect of our life, which is saying, hey, I want to teach my kids how to have confidence around money, how to know when it comes into their life, how to direct it, manage it, really get clear on what they want from it so they can give it leadership, know how to invest it so they can expand it and grow it. Because when we actually see the real research, when people are handed money without the skills, to manage it, grow it, it has devastating consequences. Definitely. Mm. And so to say that we want to create financial freedom so we can just give the kids or those who we love a whole pile of money is deeply abusive. Now, many people don't mean that, but that is exactly what it is. So there's two things. we have got to change the story that managing money, investing is boring. It's terrible. It's some kind of burden, an awful thing to have to do to actually something that is a privilege Mm -hmm. and... You know, when I, I, I'm I so grateful that through this journey, I really, I love money. Now, when <laughs> I say that, a lot of people get charged and go, oh, and, you know, worships money, loves money. I am so grateful for what every RAN can do. It's potential of, of the difference it enables me to make in the world. Of the liberations had for me, the choices I've been able to make as a result, the things I the places I've been able to live and explore. I've been able to leave relationships and expand new areas. And there it, it I'm I love it because it weaves through every aspect of life and it's one of the most important areas. And so when I say I love it, I respect it. And there's this deep appreciation, and with that comes a responsibility, that it's my job to be a great custodian of it, manage it, appreciate it, spend it well, mm. make sure that I'm getting value for the exchange of it. And so mm. gone off on a bit of a, a rant there, but you know I, I think when we can start changing the story of what it means, mm. it can become an exciting thing. I think so, and I, I think that we we live in the age of
0: indulgence, and we do have to be somewhat careful about thinking that when we indulge those we love, that we are actually supporting their well-being. Because I think nowadays that's the worst thing we can do. And I want to share with you that when uh, my children were still quite young, when I first engaged with your work and um, And I'm proud to say I didn't start from ground zero, but I didn't start. I I had the idea that if I just paid off my bond, Uh, And then when my bond was finished being paid off, then I would start investing, but you persuaded me otherwise. Anyway, I started both my children with investment accounts and I persuaded them that they would pay themselves first. So 10% of every bit of money that ever came in, they would uh, put into their investments. And my son is now 22, just graduated from engineering school and he's busy traveling the world on his own money. He has made a fortune investing on the stock market, uh, I mean a small fortune, okay, he's only 22, but at 22, he can take a whole year off and go and travel and learn and grow himself as a person and that is simply because he was disciplined enough to delay the gratification of enjoying his money and to take some of it and and. Um, Put it away for a greater purpose and not just to live in indulgence now. And I'm so grateful that I learned not to just indulge him fully and say, well, here's your birthday money, go and spend it and enjoy it, but rather some of it goes away. And I'm modeling that too, and you do it too. And yeah, here we are. So, you know, that's
1: just a testament. It's not just the travel that he's doing now, that gift that you've given him. He has a deep, he's got an experiential knowledge. It's in his muscles that he understands, ah, this is the potential of money. If I just plant some of those seeds, if I create an investing habit, if I manage that, if I get really clear about what I want, if I learn these skills of delayed gratification, managing my money, but it's also about how to have it all. Because it is actually a recipe for having it all but it's having it all at different stages, you know, know, but you can also, but you've also got to have some fun and joy. Now the challenges often we we think that just comes with spending all the money and and money is the only way. And in fact, uh, creativity is the greatest um, is the greatest creator of a wealthy life is actually nurturing the seed of creativity. How can I have those things with the input, with the resources I have, the finances, the the time available and challenging all of those stories of not enough. You know, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough money because, you know, we come, let's come back to that energy. Truly, I believe now, you know, I, I, I keep exploring this whole thing of what is freedom in its fullest sense, financial freedom, emotional freedom, but freedom to truly find out who we each are and live that um stripped away of all the ways that we're not we don't feel safe and fully empowered to be ourselves. And I do believe there are only three levers we each have to to work with. And one is our energy, our vitality, you know, this body, this ability to be able to pitch up in life with that energy, with that clarity of mind with a body that isn't full of aches and pains that there's mobility it's so this is the vessel we've got to journey this, this this on this party in so but it's full package so what you do is so vital because without that the other two doesn't matter the second one is money it weaves through every aspect of our life and then the third is our time none of us can get that back and it's this precious thing that is just ticking away Mm. But there's there's these threads and how do we use these three to live that fully expressed, wealthy, amazing life and creativity, this ability to manage the stories we have about what's possible, not possible, to make it a game, a playful, but also get those boundaries and those parameters in in line. And Mm. so when we can teach kids and ourselves that, ah, there's a different set of questions to ask, not oh well I don't have the money or I don't have the time, but it's how could I? What do I really want? What am I prepared to do? What's that aspect with this with this underlying thread of possibility and potential? Then we've transformed the the, the trajectory of where they headed and ourselves. Mm-hmm. I love that.
0: And and I uh, you know I've just um finished writing my 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 first book on the sweet spot which is really about that middle ground in everything. And and I think what you're talking about is is not being anorexic with your money and scrimping and saving and operating out of scarcity and I shouldn't buy anything or have any joy or have any fun um but somewhere in between sort of some degree of restraint and delayed gratification and, you know, living completely abundantly. And we've got to find that sweet spot when it comes to energy, money and time, all those resources that underpin our magical
1: journey. I love I love that expression the sweet spot and you know on my journey I described you know got my engineering degree started working and I thought okay I've got the sus because now I had the salary coming in but more you know I was being offered credit cards and store loans and overdrafts because now I was successful and I honestly thought that was the way I needed to be. And there was this underlying thread of of success and and what did did I need to do in order to be loved, in order to fit in, in order to belong. And I think this is a huge journey for every human and woman. There's massive pressure socially, we see from magazines and social media streams of what are you meant to be? How should you look? What should your body look like? What should you be driving? What cars would you be um, in what should your kids be what school should they be at you know there's this air this pressure what should their mm-hmm. parties look like mm-hmm. and so I went into this absolutely this this financial bulimia of binging mm-hmm. <laughs> on money that I didn't even have didn't even need but almost mm-hmm. this bloated to trying to fit in trying to be good enough and I got myself into this deep deep um, place of, of, of debt of this depletion and there is this massive overconsumption addiction that we have of but also the story of more of pushing more consumption, but more energy, more, this more monster, which I mm-hmm. but also that we need more, we have to be more. And I think in terms of even exercise, there's, there's this extreme that we're told to go to. But one thing I know now and from my own journey and journey with thousands of others and a lot of the behavioral and neuroscience of this is generally when we're seeing that pattern happening, often the, the, the motivation for that spend or that motivation of that action is externally driven in trying mm. to fill a need internally. Mm. So it's, well, if I spend that, if I do that, then I'll feel okay. So often mm. it comes from a not okayness internally mm. and you know, consciously or not. And so also starting to really understand our internal journey of who do I believe I am and this deep element of self-worth. And there's mm. such a relationship between our net worth and our self-worth, not because your net worth gives you self-worth. Actually, the more your self-worth can be dry. And the more we can disconnect um, our money decisions from our identity, the more we're able to make really empowered choices with how we consume and spend. That serves us now in the future because oh, should, what time where we spend our time, our energy and our money is devastatingly wasted.
0: Mm, I couldn't agree with you more. I remember saying to myself when my um, children were small, I'm I'm pregnant with this lifestyle of a big heart, not huge big yep. heart, but a, you know, a yep. house which is probably over invested in, and, and uh, you know, this is the they were all at private schools and it needed to be you yep. know keeping up that lifestyle, yep. and and what I love to spend my money on is travel and growth and learning and journeying and reading and books and and, and so I found myself actually having to extricate myself from that life. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, one of the statements that you've used that I've kind of run in my head is squeeze the lemon, uh, squeeze the juice out of the lemon and uh, and really take, choose wisely what are you taking out of your money and, and, you know, don't just land up spending it on what everybody else spends theirs on, choose for yourself. And that is uh, something that comes from a sort of personal mastery well-being which is another aspect of well-being as far as I'm concerned, um, which which helps you to know yourself and, and to be able to say, this is my choice for my life. I'm not going to do what everybody else is doing. I'm going to do what I really want to do. So I love that you raised that. And, you know, the freedom to choose is ours.
1: And, and so it's, and it's, and it's a lifetime journey, you know, I really just accepted in this lovely humility of being human that this constant edge of where am I not yet free, where am I still responding, or reacting or pleasing or performing to a level some degree or another, you know, without this big judgmental. But I think this is the most delicious and beautiful and extraordinary journey we can each have, which is the journey of the deepest journey of wealth, they say, to to personal mastery, to personal like, who the bleep am I? What do I really love and like? And then let our behaviors around our money, time, and our energy reflect that. Because you spoke Mm -hmm. about squeezing the juice and spending. Because, again, we then often think, oh, being good with money um, is about that deprivation as you say swinging to the anorexia side which is exactly what i then did once i said hang on i've got to climb out of this debt hole there's no freedom in that i had to came, come back i thought okay now i had to control me it was all about determination willpower locking down no fun couldn't do anything it was like the ultimate um, extreme diet <laughs> financially you can only have eight calories a day equivalent kind of thing and what happens is we dry up our soul our soul needs flow We need flow of energy and money is part of that. And we need to be spending our money on things that truly light us up, but in this way that is sustainable. And so that's when my first marriage blew up in a big messy money drama. I became a not nice person and it became small and mean, but that anxiety, which I'd been trying to avoid was there because I had no idea how much was enough. I had no idea when I could actually now get back to living a life that I vaguely liked and so the sweet spot as you describe it it was i had to knew there had to be an end an end of how to feel financially safe and secure knowing that some of my money was staying that i was in control but no not this control that became complete suppression and so we've spoken about the importance of investing keeping some of my money converting into assets but i realized i also had to learn a skill of being a wealthy spender and as mm-hmm. you said, i love that this means turning attention to the to the outflow so again, so often we're so exhausted and so busy trying to focus on the inflow, the, the the business, the money, the revenue, what's coming in, maybe sort of getting by. But that to really step back and go, let's look at where where is my time, energy, and my money really going, and what's mm-hmm. triggering it? How much of this is driven from a, an internal expression of my worthiness or where am i reacting to other people's agendas where am i too just damn exhausted to say no so i do it just to shut people up where is it coming out of guilt or a sense of shame just <coughs> because i'm you know I, I go and either do that binge eating out of emotional you know emotional eating emotional spending huge alignment with it and so when we can go ah oh, let's get curious and. Mm. Come and go, oh, what's really going on here? Great. Well, if I get rid of all that depletion spend, guilt spend, reaction spend, keeping up with the, you know, everybody else spend. And I really go, this is what lights me up. How much of my money is spent there? This is where we start transforming our world completely. And we can have that future financial well-being because part of that wealthy spender is saying, hey, I'm putting money into my assets and I'm looking after my financial well-being but also this joy of knowing seed of money and a whole bunch of creativity is how do I live that wealthy, rich, juicy, fun life aligned to me now? But it means we have to pay attention to where the money's flowing. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, I, uh, you know, I, I, I listen to you with a time, energy and money thing, and it's, it's really striking me, um, especially, you know, somebody like me who has – sold time for money uh, for the best part of my life um, it's really so helpful to separate time and money and Mm -hmm. and try and say we've got all these three different types of wealth and we don't have to they're not linked they're separate and and the only way to make money without spending your time is through investing so I think uh, investing your time in building your investment wealth um, and your asset base is is just incredibly beneficial in so many ways. So, can you Absolutely. talk a little bit more about yeah. that?
1: Mm. Yeah. So you know, I think there are three pivotal components that we need to get together. I mean, there there's five recipes we can come to those, but really creating this financial machine that creates wealth, not just you know money flowing through our lives is understanding that there are th- there's four elements that we need to be aware of. One is our income. And that's the thing that most people only focus at. If I could just make more, then I'll be okay. If my partner could just make more, then we'll be okay. If the business could just make more. And it's never the case, but we need inflow. We need income coming in. So we've also got to look at the quality of that. How do we leverage ourselves? So how do we, as our greatest assets we have, and most of us start off, we're the first asset we have. We're the first thing that can start bringing money flowing to us. But how do we increase that value? So how do we make the, the time for money exchange more valuable and represent our life force? So we always got to look at that. But then how do we then create systems and processes We can call them low input businesses where we can leverage that. And I start calling these your cash flow machine. So how do you start creating things that can bring more money in? That isn't just a time for money exchange of our individuals. So, you know, in service businesses, how do you use leverage? How can you do one to many instead of one to one? Or are there... Assets you can create in businesses that can, the value exchange can be delivered. A podcast, we record this and it keeps going. A system keeps sharing that out there. The book goes out, you do it once, you earn royalties. So we start looking at leveraged activities around income. And then the ultimate income that we want is the investment income. So this is where we've got assets, which is something other than ourselves, where can grow in value and generate income without us having to be involved at all. We oversee them, we look at them, but we're not involved in that value exchange. Because often in those cash flow machines, we still have to drive that. They're more leveraged, so they increase the flow. But true asset-generated income, we're not involved in that. So, you know, the key asset classes which everybody should have working for them is stocks and shares, also called equities. So it's just owning slices of other businesses. And so besides the the, the action of investing, buying those shares, putting them in, into your investment portfolio, we're not involved in making running that business. We're not involved in in the value generation at all. But we benefit from the the increased growth in that company called its, you know, its value increasing, which is capital gain, and the income, the profit that it distributes. And this, this is the yield element. So every asset either grows in value or it generates income or both. And that is a definition of an asset. But it's also money that can then flow into our life that we can use, which is why this the devastating story that so many people believe that their house or their car is an asset is so devastating because it's not an asset the home that you live in because as long as you're living in it you can't sell it to release its capital and you can't get income from it so it's a lifestyle choice and in fact it's a liability but now we start seeing oh so Stocks and shares, it's really important. And it's an asset class we can come back to that so many people are afraid of, but it's the easiest and actually the most straightforward, as you now know, as you've taught your kids. I mean, how cool is that? Real estate, investment property is the next big asset class. Then you get fixed income. So this is where there's capital preservation and you get what's called a yield or a interest earned from that. So these are things like loan instruments, bonds, fixed deposits in, in bank accounts. Fourth, then there's a variety of small asset classes, which are almost the flavors, the sprinkling you can have on top. Cash, We, you should all, everybody should have some cash in their investment portfolio. But then you get things like crypto, commodities, collectibles, what I call the three Cs. To smaller extent, you can have them or not. It depends on what you want to Um, achieve, then low-input businesses, these cash flow machines, and of course ourselves. But those three key ones, actually four, equities, real estate, fixed income, and cash are the primary um, assets that people have working in their asset machine that can bring them this asset-generated income. So now we've already covered two of the four key components. We need income coming in, but the quality of the income matters. We need assets to And we're free when we've got enough assets that can earn us enough asset-generated income that can pay for our lifestyle so we can choose whether to still operating any cash flow machines we have or earn money directly ourselves. And this is the choice and the freedom. But then So now we've got the quality of our income and having cash flow machines, there's growing assets, which is the thing that gives you freedom. And then the third element is being a wealthy spender, learning, giving that attention and stripping away what doesn't serve and spending joyfully on the stuff that absolutely does and having systems and processes in all three of these things to to automate them, to make them easier so they don't feel like a burden but also to protect our money from us. I think when we truly just acknowledge that we are not logical creatures and I'm not just talking about women, I'm talking about humans. (laughs) (laughs) We are big bags of flesh triggered by emotions and generally reactive and Mm -hmm. something like that but there's a great humility when we can go actually you know what so many of our decisions are unconscious they're patterns that we've taken from our parents there's nurture there's nature there's personality drivers and so when we can automate things that are good for us as much as possible that's how we create sustainable generality. And then there is a fourth component we need to be aware of, which is liabilities. Those are the things we owe. And sadly, most people have consumer debt working against them. And that's the only place they are experiencing compounding rather than compounding working to grow their wealth. And nobody can create wealth and live a wealthy life and be free with consumer debt. It just, it's just a no-go. Um, it really has to be a hard no. It's not a maybe, it's not a dabble here and there. And this is also, you know, us giving leadership to our lives. We've got to know which are areas of just hard nose. And mm. but then there are two other kinds of debt where which are okay. But you know, it's it's like many things, if we've if we've got a real sugar addiction or a um, alcohol addiction, we can't just say, oh, well, I'll just have a little bit here and there. I used, I was a hell of a heavy smoker for years and years and years. And I know there's absolutely no way I can even think of having a cigarette, socially mm-hmm. or not. I am a recovering smoking addict. And... So for many people, until we've really got a grip on consumer debt and patterns of using overdrafts or credit cards to bail ourselves out and rescue us. Because a lot of people say, oh, no, and I don't have a debt problem, but I, I do go into my overdraft every month. But no problem. No, no. <laughs> and we go, hey, we've got to get honest about this shit. But we, there is ways we can use debt to accelerate our financial freedom, which is leverage, you know, um, Leverage debt, where we use debt to control assets and when when we know the numbers. So those four elements, so um, income and and outflow, the inflows and outflows, understanding the quality of them, where they're going is really key. Your cash flow machines and leverage and being a wealthy spender, but really then focusing on your investment strategy and building up those assets are the three things that we can automate, but and then just staying clear or getting out of consumer debt and staying clear of it.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, so much of it's around uh, stopping and reflecting and thinking about what you're doing and not just rolling on uh, on that hamster wheel, but actually taking a moment to say what is working, what isn't working, what I want to do differently. And, uh, and I always say self-care is absolutely essential and the biggest part of self-care is that no, hard no, either to yourself or to someone else. And, and I think that's something about what you're talking about because if you can't say no to someone wanting to sell you something then, um, or to yourself wanting to buy something, then you're going to get yourself into debt, and um, and and to really understand the devastation not only to your financial well-being, but to your physical and mental well-being at the same time, is critical.
1: Absolutely. And coming yeah. back to you know the relationship with kids or partners or parents, you know um, we live in a in a country where we have th- this intergenerational you know, tax, family tax, the sandwich generation with people who are often looking after their parents, but also maybe being the primary earners in an extended family. And they've just got aunts and uncles and siblings and cousins mm. asking um, to borrow money. And mm. there's huge guilt stories around it to truly understand that if we truly want to help Intergenerationally and change intergenerational patterns of poverty and sacrifice and martyrdom and these repeating patterns. Learning how to bolster ourselves up to have to say hard no's. And they're hard Mm -hmm. not just because it's a fixed no, but they're hard because it also, there's such an element of us being told, you know, to be nice, to be generous. We're meant to help other people. And I think when we can also start creating a society when we talk about this in a way of not going, oh, well, you know, just look after yourself first, but actually saying, hey, this is how we break these devastating, dysfunctional relationships Mm. with money.
0: Mm.
1: By Mm. saying no to borrowing, saying no to this, these threads of keeping people dependent. Mm. Mm and that's tough but if we're serious about it we need to put on our big girl panties and do it for ourselves and others
0: <laughs> exactly and and you know i think one of the things i often say to people is you don't have to swing the ship 180 degrees today just swing it a few degrees uh, and, yeah. and test the outcome and see the value that you've created and then when you're ready sing, swing it another few degrees and before you know it's happened you've changed the trajectory of your financial or physical or mental well-being completely and it was it wasn't a 180 degree turnaround you didn't have to give up everything you thought was fun you didn't have to change everything you're doing but you just have to take a little action in us a, in, a, in the direction you want to go and uh, and that takes consideration thought awareness
1: and reflection and um and it also it also takes a plan you know sue i know that you know so much what you just helping people get those structures the actual practicals well what do i do we need to have it because we can also have the the intentions you know i want to get healthier i want to be fitter i want to have more energy i want to have more money <laughs> mm-hmm. i want to create you know become investing but just wanting it's not enough And so there's specificity we have to get. Well, what does that mean specifically? You know, what's your financial freedom number? What is that target for your energy or your weight or your vitality? How are you going to measure it? How are you going to know that you're making progress? Because we need that specificity. And Mm -hmm. I certainly know in the financial area, a lot of people say, well, I want more money or I don't want to feel anxious. Well, how will you know when you're not? What Mm -hmm. does that look like? Mm. And that's why it's so important. We we know the numbers and then we actually have plans for those baby steps. Mm. And I know I'm saying a lot here, but when with that plan, also how much of those things can we automate? So I love the analogy with our energy and our, and our vitality and our exercise and how we eat and how we sleep. The more we can use processes and systems and automation, To make the things that are good for us automated, the more likely we are going to succeed. um, Successful people have a lot more absolutes. And it it just is like, I go to bed at this time of the night. I get Mm -hmm. up at that it's not oh well if I feel like it then I'll do that you know if there's any energy at the end of the day then maybe I'll go and have that workout there is a lot more this is the way it is and it can sound rigid but I certainly know for me it was vital that I put money rules in place so when it comes to our decision making process we don't have to yeah. use up a whole lot of regulation units because when we're tired and depleted at the end of the day end of the week now you've got to go oh what should i invest in how much money should i put aside this we just go oh can't be bothered let me go and have that ice cream um mm. but when it, that decision is just made and it's like oh well this is what i do it helps so much for us to actually follow through and then if we can actually set that up so that direct debit goes straight off and we just that investment happens automatically we're far more likely to succeed than doing that. and so that's why the taking the time to put systems in place to support mm. us is is so important. Mm. I love that and that's
0: that's yeah and it takes so much of the energy away uh that's required to do it so all the excuses and resistance that we can easily use to stop ourselves yeah. is gone for us yeah thank you for that uh, i must say debit orders really work <laughs> they rock you don't <laughs> even notice they've gone and, <laughs> yeah,
1: and now you just got I your bank balance debit order for my for my exercising in the same exactly. Way that I
0: <laughs> exactly well i'll tell you how you do it you just put it in your diary and meet it, me with me and then that meeting time's gone. So you have to use it. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: And just like you know, I certainly know that if I just make and that and it's that micro decision every single day, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: waking up going, mm-hmm. okay, I can choose to stay in bed now or I can choose to get up. And just know that it's our destiny mm-hmm. is cre- and our future is created by those micro decisions we make yeah. constantly. So again, the more we can just automate and then we start creating that habit because it feels good and we get that open. And, and as you said, we've got to know ourselves. I know that if I, I will sometimes be able to exercise later in the day, but generally it's far easier for me to betray myself later on in the day than mm-hmm. early in the day. Mm-hmm. So it comes Absolutely. back to paying ourselves first. I just know that I'm far more likely to have success around My creative work, around my energy, around my exercise, how I eat, by the choices and the decisions I make at the start of my day.
0: Yeah, it is like that. It's putting that structure in place to support your success.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also, as as you share so beautifully, having the other structures, and who are your mentors, who are your trainers, who are your teachers, who's your community you hang out with? Mm. And when it comes to our financial well-being for a lot of women have to get really clear about the relationships they're in Mm. are they serving how do we have those conversations as well um what are the conversations who are we having money conversations with is it a whole lot of people who are deep in debt and bitch and moan about never having the time energy or the money for anything they want but if that's the conversations you're constantly having we need to sort of consider another option and so we also have to look at that in a whole environmental impact on us because yeah around my eating if i'm just going to sit wallowing in the the chocolate aisle um <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna go you know, it's not really gonna yeah. serve
0: no exactly 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 uh, uh yeah you're so right about that this is hanging around with people you're gonna inspire you rather than pull you down with, yeah yeah, and we could. Sorry, I, I was going to say that because I, that. That, uh, I was going to ask you know, for a last little bit for us, a little juicy nugget to take away.
1: Because it really is, comes back to saying, I've got this one precious, exquisite life. You know, whatever your belief system is, hey, if there's a bonus, you know, something after this great bonus, but let's not rely on that. If we've got this one precious, amazing life, if we've got this, thing to taste this, this ability to experience and savor then we choosing to do what can feel tough in order to truly be fully with it around our time energy and our money and we can really understand that this is in service of us and life and being able to be there and then that ripple of who we are then in the world the joy that we get from it ripples out and I So people say, "Oh, I'm trying to find my purpose, my meaning. What's my big why?" And I I must actually find the root of this. But there's a beautiful saying, you know, is, "Our joy meets the world's greatest need." Mm -hmm. So I think we've all got to stop trying to, you know, how do I be the best partner, mother, daughter, person? What's my contribution to the world? Purpose, and say, "Hey, perhaps, perhaps my job is to live my life as exquisitely fully as I can." Mm -hmm. To go, how do I, what do I need to do? What are my practices so that I can be in life and I can experience joy? So I've got to know what joy is for me. And I've got to be vigilant to when I fall unconscious into that, the way we consume or just betray ourselves in these areas. That I think is the greatest gift we give to ourselves and the world. Because when we're in that, that is when the greatest parts of us pitch up. And that's how we make a difference in the world by choosing first to go, hey, I am going to make a commitment every day to be fully in life and then do the things that need to happen in order for me to do that. And that means being healthy run my money, my time, and my energy.
0: I love it. Thank you. And one last little tiny something for those who say, The stock market is so unpredictable, I'm too scared. Have you got one little something they can take away?
1: Being scared is not the problem. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay to be scared. But the biggest risk is you living a huge part of your life fearful and not being able to be in it. So take a tiny step. Key thing is learn nobody popped out the womb of financial genius these are very simple strategies and steps to learn and yeah don't try and do it on your own get a copy of the Wellshift shift book come on in and you know make it be open to the possibility that you too can be great at money i love it and here is the Wellshift shift book
0: it's been my bible and i've learned it you can see it's seriously old and tatty because i've learned it to so many people uh so get yourself a copy it is truly um with every second it'll take to read it thank you Anne. thank you so much it was wonderful to have this conversation thank you for all the work you do and thank you for uh, sharing so richly with us this afternoon
1: absolute pleasure
0: and uh, we will be in touch. If uh, if you want to add details, I will attach them to this podcast. But do you want to just give us one quick little way to get hold
1: of you if we need you? So you can check out at The Wealth Chef. So that's as in cooking with money. And um, that's on the websites, on the social media tags, on Instagram and Facebook. And just be great to, yeah, let me know you've come in through sue's amazing podcast
0: (laughs) thank you and have a wonderful rest of the day and enjoy this juicy life of yours (laughs) bye for now thank you bye